Welcome to As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. Today we welcome Damien Delore, frontman for The Requiem, to the podcast. The Requiem released A Cure to Poison the World last Friday on Fearless Records. Damien talks about growing up as an immigrant in the United States, creating music for art instead of chasing trends, trying to find love in a digital world, the theatrical side of the band, and more. I love getting to chat with new bands and hoping they find new fans and audience with the people who listen to this podcast. If this is your first episode of As the Story Grows, welcome and thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview. You can subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice and never miss an episode. Your next favorite band is just waiting to be discovered. You can find links to the podcast Patreon page, Discord server, and newsletter in the show notes or at asthestorygrows.com. Come hang out and be a part of our community. Enjoy getting to know Damien from The Requiem. You're you're in Florida, Broward County. Yeah, yeah, Broward County. Awesome, awesome. That's where you grew up. No, no, I grew up in Chile. I moved here when I was around sixteen. Okay, okay. Hmm. Rad. What 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 was growing up in Chile like? It was good, and it's yeah. very different from over here, of course. But uh, I had a I had a wonderful childhood, and uh, um, my family we all kind of like grew up together because my parents were so young, so. Um, yeah, no, it was a good life. Nice, nice. What were you into? Just big into like football, soccer? Or... Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I played soccer <laughs> until I was like, I think until I was 13. Uh, from 5 to 13, I was in a team. And I think I made the cadets okay. of uh, Uda Chile, which is like one of the main teams we have there. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was really into that, of course, yeah. Nice. I mean, football's like religion down there, you know. For right. Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's it, yeah, it's like the big thing in so many yep. parts of the world but here, here in america growing up here it's just like yeah who cares yeah i mean basketball is really good here i've always liked basketball yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's cool that's cool what i mean what led you to stop playing soccer was it the move or was it like the discovery of music um i feel like if more People that I knew played football here. I, I'll continue playing. I would, you know, go to a park every weekend. But I know absolutely no one. There's yeah. no one in my friend group plays like almost any sports. Uh, and then the ones that do, they <laughs> they don't play football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this weird thing where it's like musicians don't like sports, and it's like well, that's, yeah. That's a, a, a long <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for me, it, it's like uh, I've always grew grown up with like a lot of british musicians and like a lot of yeah. bands from england and a lot of them play football you know i, I know yeah. was, um i think iron maiden had like a whole team yeah. and uh <laughs> bring me the horizon has played a couple games too um what are the bands i can't remember any off the top of my head yeah. but yeah they'd be doing that yeah it's pretty funny what what led you your family to move to the states or was, i assume your whole family moved or was it just you <laughs> Yeah, it's a small family. It's just my parents, me and my sister. Um, I think we moved 
mainly because uh, it was getting a bit dangerous down there. Um, yeah. Like when I was very little, we we didn't have a lot of money, so growing up was not really dangerous because you know no one takes from from their own down there. But they do, you know, take money from people that are like middle class and up. And as my parents started doing really well with like what they wanted to do in life and shit worked out for them, it like we moved into better neighborhoods and whatnot. And those neighborhoods are actually usually more dangerous than the other ones because they get, you know, attacked more. So um, I feel like it was that. It's just a very dangerous time. And then when we left, I think it got a little better. So we thought about going back for for a while, but then I don't know, me and my sister just kind of like really learned a lot, like really fast being outside of, of the country. We learned English like almost automatically. So it was like, for them, it was like, yeah, it's better to just stay out here. And then um, I think that even if they do go back or if they move somewhere else, because we've moved pretty much our whole lives. I think since America, we moved around four or five times. Okay. And um, when I was a kid, we also always just moved around. So they might move out um, to another place, but I'll definitely stay out here. If not, uh, I'll go to LA. Nice. Nice. Was it, oh, did you always live in like the Florida when you lived here? Yeah, because uh, it, it was the easiest for us to move into since a lot of people speak Spanish down here and yeah. um, we didn't know anybody. So, you know. Yeah, it was very hard because like most of the people that migrate to to America are people that are in countries that are closer to America, like mm-hmm. Mexico, you know, and and some of the Latin American countries like Colombia, Venezuela, a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of Cubans are down here in Miami, but there's like no Chileans, you know. So, <laughs> um, but it was easier since still a lot of countries that speak Spanish for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I live just outside Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. My kids go to a uh, their school it's like i don't know 75 to 80 percent uh like latinx like mostly spanish-speaking kids yeah. and i'm just like that's cool that's so cool oh yeah i, I can't talk to any of the parents so I just, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i'm sure is up like i'm sure when people come here it's the exact same thing so yeah no i mean i feel like um especially in in a lot of other places in America now, it's becoming kind of like how it's always been in Florida and, and mm-hmm. LA and New York, which is like a melting pot of so many yeah. different cultures and, and different um, nationalities. So it's, it's, it's really wonderful because I think it it just creates more and more um, abundance for people to take for like whatever they want to do, you know, and especially mm-hmm. for us as musicians and artists, like it's so much more to like draw from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about music. What got you into music? Um, my dad was a, a promoter and a manager of, of bands that he grew up with. Uh, and so like I was always around musicians and the first thing that drew me to it was the way that they were all adults, but they, they just spent their time like they were kids. Basically they, they, <laughs> they like they would wake up hella late and they had like, no, I wouldn't say no responsibilities, but they, they acted like they didn't have any responsibilities. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I, you can get to do that and like get paid for it. Like, oh man, I would really love to try that. And then I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the monumental times for me uh, in like what really inspired me to, to take music seriously was uh, I saw Muse when I was little and uh, okay. they were opening for U2 in the 360 tour. I think this was around 2008, 2009, if I'm not wrong. And 
the way that I saw like 200,000 or like 150,000 people just yell every single lyric at the top of their lungs. It was like, holy shit. Like that commanding power that the group yeah. had on people that didn't even speak their language was to me like, man, like I, I did not know music was that powerful until then. Cause that was the first big show I went to, I think, um, nice. or one of the first ones. So, yeah. And then when I moved out here, um, I, I didn't finish high school. I was never good in school. Never. Okay always did terribly and um so i dropped out sophomore year and i had nothing else that i probably was gonna end up doing like it, it seemed like there was no other route for me to go other than art or you know so whatever so i was like i'm gonna actually try music and uh and i said to myself like, if if i didn't get to like the basic starting point that I wanted to get to before like 19, I was just going to give up. And thankfully it went the way that I wanted and uh, it worked. And, you know, three years after that, 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 that like um, the year I turned on uh, 19, I, I started Lex and we turned then into the Requiem and it's been going pretty well. So were you always just like, focused on being a frontman or a singer did you play an instrument and try no initially i wanted to be a guitarist because uh i think guitars are just the coolest people always and uh so it's <laughs> like oh man i would love to be a guitarist and just like bust out a solo whenever but um i learned pretty early on that wasn't i wasn't gonna be that good at guitar. <laughs> <laughs> i think the first time i got a guitar uh my one of my dad's friends my uncle he he gifted me uh, like a little Yamaha. I was like mm. six and I, I picked it up here and there until I, I was like 11. And then when I turned 11, that's when I started like actually trying to learn cover songs. And like, I think I was learning some Iron Maiden like riffs, then some Queen, uh, obviously like Deep Purple, like every beginner. And then yeah. um, I think a lot of Guns N' Roses. And like when I would get to like the areas of like guitar solos, that's when I would always like just fail miserably. I was like, oh, I can't learn that. So I would just give up. And then, um, kind of settled for acoustic. And once I settled for acoustic, I, I saw how much easier it was for me to like get around that instrument. And mm -hmm. I started learning about comp composition through like just listening what sounded right to me. And um, around the same time, I really got into like writing, just whatever, um, like poetry and stuff like that. So I was like, hey, I might as well just try and combine it. And when I did and I liked what I heard, I was like, hmm, maybe I could turn this into a song. And then that actually ended up turning into the first song that we dropped like way when we started, I think in 2020. Um, so, so yeah, now that's when I finally like, I was like, okay, I can, I can kind of sing. So I'll, I'll try being the singer of the band. Yeah. Yeah. Because you had this background in rock music or emo where you like, you hear yourself and you're like, okay, I sound in this ballpark of a vocalist. Like, yeah. Even if I'm not, fucking you know mariah carrier exactly yeah yeah like i can belt it out still like like yeah anytime it, it, i see I thursday like, i'm like thursday was huge and oh frankly, not saying <laughs> literally because I, I think it, it's just if it if it sounds genuine like if it sounds like it actually has some feeling behind it like oh yeah the motherfucker's hurting or like oh he's yeah. happy or like oh he's angry like i think that's all that matters it, right passion is the only thing that matters when, when you're trying to do anything uh in music i feel like um so yeah i mean but but that when i picked up the acoustic that's when i kind of like thought i could actually sing because yeah. i was in a, another band before the requiem but it was like i was doing vocals that were like screamed vocals 
So I always knew I could scream. Like that screaming was very yeah. easy to me. I think I learned in like a year, if not less. And then it was like kind of like easier to maintain than than I, I would imagine singing was. And um, I think it, it really is. I feel like if I stopped practicing singing, it, I would I would go back to like not knowing much about it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like it's, it's it's a much more like not delicate, but like much more like specific practice where screaming it's like as long as you're not hurting yourself you're not doing it wrong yeah yeah Yeah. well let's talk about the requiem how this project get started uh well in 2020 we started out as uh l'exquisite dolor i think we me and and some previous members we had started like getting together around the end of 2019 and um we wanted to start putting out music before we played shows. Like we knew we wanted to be like a recording band before anything. So um, we started working with uh, Salem, who's uh, the basis of the band now. And um, he helped us out pretty much like out of pocket, out of pocket low key. He was like, I really like this, this project, you know, and I want to get you guys with the right people. So he actually connected us with uh, Felipe, who's the guitarist in, in the project now. And once he joined, we started writing more songs, putting out more songs and, then Salem joined and kind of like um, we started getting a more specific sound and we started getting an idea of, of how we wanted to approach this, how we wanted to look, how we wanted to, to make our videos. And if we wanted to, to really um, go for a specific, like nostalgic sound that a lot of people mm-hmm. were starting to do around that time, or if we were going to try to do something different. And I, I, I guess we kind of decided to like go for somewhere in the middle where it's yeah. like nostalgic because it's naturally going to be nostalgic because it's, we're trying to do a combination of everything we loved growing up with like our own touch on it. So yeah. it's still, you know, modern sounding, but I guess it's a lot more um, old fashioned than a lot of the, music in, in, in our contemporaries that are, that are putting out now that has like a lot of synthesizers and a lot of, you know, like that THX sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Mall emo or whatever, like yeah. what emo was when emo was big warped or emo. <laughs> yeah. like, it's kind of like new metal where it's come back around where people are like, it really has. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't shit. Like really, <laughs> yeah. it's okay to admit you like this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. OG Deathcore is coming back too. It's just, well, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like only certain aspects of it can come back. Some others cannot, <laughs> but um, right. I feel like with no this new belt. record too, bangs, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like with this new record too, uh, we're kind of expanding the, the, the mall emo aspect to a, a more like just rock because uh, yeah. there's mm-hmm. songs in this record that just straight up sound like the Bryce Against. And then there's another yeah. one that just sounds like Fall Out Boy. There's another one that sounds like, I don't know. There's, you can literally hear every single one of our favorite bands growing up in this record. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something very special because it's it's just truly genuine. Like we're not trying anything at all. That's, yeah. you know, other than just being ourselves. Yeah, there's definite, like listening to the record, like there's definitely a influences wearing your influences in the songs like and you could hear it and like i don't think there's any shame in that like it sounds oh, yeah. good and it's just like i know exactly who this band is and what they're about and what they like mm-hmm. exactly yeah, because i feel like a lot of bands in, in our in our time is like they try to go for s- 
for things that are so technical, in my opinion, that I feel like when you try to become too technical, you kind of lose a bit of the essence of just doing something for the sake of doing something artistic yeah. and creative, um, where it becomes kind of like a, 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 strate- a strategy, you know? And then a lot of bands, in my view, seem to do like these technical choices in order to appease trends. And I think that when you try to appease trends, you, you're making commerce. You're not fucking making mm-hmm. music at that point. Yeah. Um, so we definitely wanted to do something that we believed can work in a timeless setting. Like it can always yeah. work type shit. And I think that alternative rock is, you know, the thing we're most naturally drawn to. And also that it's something that will always be timeless. I feel like any type of, of, rock music that's just like straightforward rock will always be appreciated by some groups of people what led to the name change just something more palatable easy to yeah pretty pretty much dude because like we would (laughs) we would tell people our name and they'd be like uh uh like three times to catch it and even then (laughs) they could never write it down like gun to their head they couldn't tell you how to spell it so like um just got tired of that and and it was a cool name don't get me wrong i fucking love it because the meaning behind the name was super dope too it was like super sappy and just like i don't know very very like um reminiscent of like a lot of shit that 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 we liked uh and then the requiem was a name of a, of a side project i had that was like heavier hardcore shit and we we're like why don't we why don't we just use that name? You know, it still fits us and it fits yeah. the image that we want to go for and the, the attitude we want to approach uh, in the future a lot more because it's a very theatrical name and uh, f- the Requiem means funeral song. So we're kind of making music for funerals or music that, you know, makes you think about dying and shit like that. So it's like, I feel like it fits us, you know, in a, in a very funny way, uh, a lot better than yeah. Exquisite Dolor. And, um, it's good. It's much more easier to market and to for people to remember, especially in America. Yeah, yeah. but you still got Lex in, in on the album, right? You still got snuck the name in there. <laughs> yeah, no, we had to. It's a little nod to it, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I love that name because um, I think I learned about the word a while ago, um, yeah. and I thought it was like such a cool sentence, like. La Exquise Dolor, and then listening to uh, Being as an Ocean, I think a couple years ago, I saw their song, La Exquise Dolor. I was like, oh, isn't that like the same as that French fucking quote? And then it was. So I was like, oh, that's like a much cooler way to, of writing it. So I was like, eh, yeah, I really like that. How'd you guys get connected with Fearless Records? I think that we wanted to start talking with labels at some point, and we hit up a couple. Uh, and fearless was just the one that seemed the most like um in tune with us like they hit us up and they had already like heard our music and were like talking and asking us about it like they they hit us up as like genuine fans more than like just people that were trying to work with us like they Mm -hmm. actually believed that we were going to be able to do something uh great together and uh i think that uh, we're extremely happy with the record and they're, they're really happy with the record too. So it's like, we were definitely right in, in, in going with them. Uh, and also, you know, as kind of like a milestone dream for, for me personally, like I grew up, you know, 
subscribing to like Epitaph, Sumerian, mm-hmm. and Fearless. Those were like the holy trinity for me. So like when the option came up to to go with them, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like yeah. uh, so many of their um, alumni uh, bands and some so many of their current bands are people that I really look up to and that um, I feel like would be dope to to work with in the future too. And um, I think that it's a, it's a good placement for us because it makes sense that we would be in a label like that. I feel like uh, a, another thing too is that um, they are mostly out in LA and we kind of want to move there eventually. So that was like another thing that we're like, oh, it's going to work perfect to, have, to be so close to the team and shit. The album's called A Cure to the Poison World. Talk to me about the title and what influenced uh, that title and kind of the lyrical vibes on this record. Gotcha. So um, basically, it's named after the first song that we dropped ever. Uh, we dropped that one on February 14th of 2020. And uh, basically, the meaning of that song was kind of like kind of like a, a love letter, like a Romeo and Juliet type love letter, but like of the modern age where, you know, we're so subdued by like, I feel like technical despondency and like everything has to be done through like phones and through like temporary, you know, like satisfaction, like, especially like when you're young and you're trying to find like uh, that idea of like love, it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard and, 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 in this generation uh because everyone's like fucking ipad kids you know so (laughs) it's like we're getting closer and closer to a black mirror episode in a way so i think that that whole concept was super inspirational to me ever since i i came up with it and it kind of built like a a ground for everything I wanted to write after. So all the singles that we put out previous to Sign with Fearless, a lot of them were also inspired by that that concept. So it was just natural to continue it with the record. And I think the the only thing that changed was that instead of trying to make a concept record, we went ahead and and used that concept more as as a theme than mm-hmm. anything. So the songs don't necessarily need to sound like they're in the same world. Mm-hmm but the lyrics and the meaning of the, the, the songs and also the little hints that we're, we've been throwing that we're going to continue to throw here and there in our music videos are all connected. And I think that we built more upon that concept. I, I just said by adding it like a whole like world to it. So it's like in this like fantasy world where like, we've gotten to that point of like black mirror type shit, you know, and people can't even have basic relations with, with each other anymore um, without the need of all this other excess bullshit. Um, there's this like company that creates this drug called the cure to poison the world, which is kind of like a romantic suicide drug, basically <laughs> like you die in ecstasy by taking <laughs> the cure to poison the world. So I feel like, 
I don't know. We just thought it was a fun idea to to write music up on, and um, eventually I kind of approached a lot of the songs in the record from different points of views, from like different characters I would make up on, and like I think that um, it's not going to be an obvious concept record, but um, if if people you know care enough to to pay attention and they fuck with it, that they'll definitely see it, and I think that it's going to be really cool. Um, we just got done doing the booklet for the record for like the CDs that we're going to do. Yeah. And uh, that was super fun. Cause we got to kind of like put it into like visuals and, and into art. Yeah. There's a very theatrical element to like the visuals and mm-hmm. uh, the lyrics. And it's like, the music is so straightforward rock and roll that yeah. it's like, it's like, you know, not a disconnect because I think it works well together, but it's like, yeah, you take that black parade vibe and throw it with like, three cheers right that sound (laughs) i think that also uh we wanted like the songs to vary in sound because Mm -hmm. a lot of the bands that we look up to at the moment like bring me and and um there's um there's that oh fuck i forgot the name of that band that just they've recently been putting out like a new style of music they've been around for a while uh thornhill um oh yeah, yeah we were listening to so much thornhill we're like man they're definitely like trying to go for that more like rock, you know, sound than, than anything yeah, like, super heavy. Yeah. And, like, um, but at the same time, they're still going to have that heavy shit. So I was like, Oh man. And then bring the horizon is like the most obvious example of, of, uh, a band that like has so many different genres and so many different aspects, but like they're able to do them all without people saying, Oh, like this sounds very different from the last record. Cause like, Okay, now they've been doing it for like the last four records. Every yeah. single album is like a roller coaster of sounds. You know, not every song is rock, not every song is electronic, not every song is like metal. So it's like I think it it gives you that freedom to really try whatever you want without people, you know, feeling weird about you changing the sound like suddenly. Um mm-hmm. and I think that us doing it in our first record on our debut record, it's very important because we'll allow ourselves that freedom going forward with the next records yeah yeah and because the way so many people consume music if they don't like a song then they're just not gonna yep. put it on their playlist right yeah. <laughs> that was another big factor it was like dude like most people are probably not even gonna listen to the whole record through and through you know they're just unfortunately and, yeah because they're just gonna pick and choose songs so it's right. like you might as well have as many flavors as you could add so everyone has something that they can take home um and i think that uh steve our producer also saw that 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 we wanted to do that pretty early on and he just like pushed us even forward, even more forward than we wanted to go with it uh, by like choosing one song that we had that we initially were not going to add to the record, which is the acoustic song. Um, okay. um, and he was like, fucking do it. Like it's going <laughs> to make what you want to do even more obvious and even more so like, um, because it, it's just cool to show many sides to a band you know you don't want a mm-hmm. record that's just all angry or just all happy or just all hyped you, know, you want something that goes angry fucking sad fucking happy fucking all this shit so it's like the fact that we added such a vulnerable almost childlike song to the record was like very cool for us because um i did grow up on like a lot of sleeping sirens and, and pierce the veil and they always had those like really acoustic mm-hmm. ballads. I was like, oh, and it'd be really nice to, to write something just very sweet like that. Yeah. That's cool. Who did the album artwork? Uh, Alex Hordman. He's been our, our friend for a couple of years. Uh, I think he's known Salem the longest. Uh, they've known each other for 
don't know how many years, but uh, he, he's a wonderful, um, um, what's it called, um, digital designer. And uh, he was like one of the first ones we thought of to do the, nice. the record. And um, he's the one that, that just got done with the, with the booklet too. Uh, he's oh, cool. crazy. Comes out about two months from now, middle of February. Mm-hmm. You guys working on tour plans for next year, trying to just like kick off the year strong or just, I don't know, riding low as a new band and seeing how. No, we're, we're trying to go out as soon as possible. I mean, first, because we can't stay in Florida any longer, but also because we're <laughs> super excited to, to show people the, the record and to show people the record in, in the light of a live setting. Cause it's yeah. going to be very different from just hearing our music. I feel like, if you just hear our music, you know, you get a, some idea of what we want to go for. If you listen to our music and watch our music videos, you get an even better idea. But then we want it so that when people see us live, that's like the full package. Like, yeah. uh, we're trying to bring back, you know, that almost very theatrical live performances that bands would do in the early 2000s, like Panic at the Disco, that we haven't seen, you know, many of our contemporaries do uh, in a small scale. Cause like, you know, bands like bring me, they do it in a huge scale, but like bands that are like at our level, you know, they usually don't go out of the way to do it. Cause it's just, it's a lot of work to, to, to yeah. do it. Um, so we want to go the extra mile and, and try to bring that back. Um, and so, yeah, no, we, we've, we're planning something for April. Uh, I think that we got hit up by a band that we really love. So we're really happy to announce that soon. Uh, and then we got something for May too, a little run, uh here in the like florida area and then the one in april is i think it's like all of the east coast so nice yeah no it's gonna be really good for us it's gonna be my first tour ever so i'm really nervous but <laughs> really excited too <laughs> For listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. I never felt so young and alive as when I'm diving into a tomb.